on this beautiful, beautiful October day in the DMV. We thank God for Life Nation. We thank God for all those who support Life Nation. Um, praise the Lord. So we want to continue to thank God for the freedoms he's given us. We want to thank God for the, uh, especially thank God for all the opportunities he provides for us. I thank God for just the ability to, to have peace in the world. We have such a, um, a war against peace that we thank God for peace will be in your life all around. No matter what situation there may you may be encountering or whatsoever, we thank God for his glorious sense of peace. So what I just want to start off with a prayer uh, and share this broadcast far and wide if you can. Uh, bless God. We thank you for those sharings. Anyway, Heavenly Father, we thank you, for Lord, for today. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for the greatness of who you are. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the word that you're prepared for this Sunday, uh, for this dialogue that we're having today. Lord God, we pray that those who would hear this message, oh God, whether it be initially here in this live discussion uh, online or whether it be through repeat or replays, Father, we pray that this would just, uh, this, this message would simmer deep into the hearts of the hearers, oh God, and, and, and just induce a sense of empowerment that goes beyond what we have normally experience or encounter from you in our spheres, in our lives, oh God. And dear Lord, we pray, Lord God, that uh, the message would come out with clarity, that people will receive this, and that there will be nothing that will hinder this message physically, electronically, or socially. In Jesus' name, we pray, give you glory, and say amen. Hallelujah. Well, today we have a new work that we have. Uh, if you've seen the our those of you who are on social media, you could you can see the um, the amazing art that God had given me some years ago. It was called Tumbling Towers. Okay, Tumbling Towers, and that message was uh, such a empowering message that we're going to get into in a little bit. But the key verses I want to just really get off into the scriptures right away into this Sunday dialogue. You know. The Talos, tumbling towers, upholding the power that crushes oppression. That sounds like an oxymoron, but it's not, okay? Upholding the power that crushes oppression. So what we have to understand is that if you look at the artwork, you will see that there is a brilliant force in the center of a structure that is crumbling, okay? And in that incredible force, you know, that's the power we're talking about. We have to make sure that we do not cut off the power that's there to help bring change, to help bring freedom, to help release us from oppression. Hallelujah. So we have to understand that. And um, the passage that went with that artwork, which is amazing, uh, is 2 Corinthians 10, 1 through 7. This was Paul the Apostle. Thank God for all the apostles in the body of Christ around the world today. We thank God for everyone. But Paul the Apostle, one of our great examples of apostleship, was really battling some issues socially and religiously in his time. Okay, And if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 1 through 7, one thing we know as leaders... And as particularly as those who are called of God to lead in various aspects of humanity, there's people who are going to try us. There will people will try you. They will <laughs> people will try and test your authority that you have been given by God. So here Paul is talking to some religious folk about some situations. It says, I plead with you, yes. This is from the Living Bible. I plead with you, yes. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1. Paul, I plead gently. Okay, here we go. As Christ himself would do. That's power packed right in that very first part of that verse. Yet, some of you are saying, 
<laughs> Paul's letters are bold enough when he's far away, but when he gets here, he'll be afraid to raise his voice. Oh my God. <laughs> Let me keep reading. I hope I won't need to show you when I come how harsh and rough I can be. Look at that. I don't want to carry out my present plans against some of you who seem to think my deeds and my words are merely those of an ordinary man. Oh, lay it down, Apostle Paul. It is true that I am ordinary, weak human being, but I do not use human plans and methods to win my battles. That's the key verse three. Verse four, I use God's mighty weapons, not those made by men, Jesus, to knock down the devil's strongholds. Oh, that verse three and four. Put that, highlight it, clip it, you know, uh, rabbit ear page, whatever it is you need to do on those three and four. Verse five, the weapons, these weapons can break down every proud argument against God and every wall that can be built to keep men from finding him, Jesus. With these weapons, I can capture rebels and bring them back to God and change them into men who's, and women whose heart's desire is obedience to Christ. I will use these weapons. I will use, not maybe, kind of, sort of. I will use these weapons against every rebel who remains after I first used them on you yourselves and your surrender to Christ. The trouble with you is that you look at me and I may seem weak and powerless, but you don't look beneath the surface. Oh, I love that. Yet if anyone can claim the power and authority of Christ, I certainly can. Paul is laying down some apostleship right there. When you know you call him Christ, when you have that flash encounter with Christ, when Christ comes and visits you and tells you that you're going to do a work for him, no human device can challenge that. I know there's big discussions about the fivefold ministry, who are apostles, who are prophets, who are pastors, and who are teachers and evangelists. That all comes from Christ. Christ does the commissioning, not human beings. We got to stop these walls of humanness being strongholds against the authority God has given to us to lead in this earth. Through the fivefold ministry, starting with apostles, okay? All right, prophet. And just for the algorithm today, we are talking about spiritual weapons and spiritual warfare. Spiritual. And we do know that people, human beings, can affirm your commissioning, but they don't give your commissioning. Amen. And I think a lot of people confuse those two. In essence, the mother births the child. The doctor becomes a witness of that birth and gives you a birth certificate. The certificate, the piece of paper, is not the child. <laughs> the mother births the child. God births the calls on our lives. Human being recognize the re physical reality of that call and give a certificate so you can be known in the earth. Let's make that clear. Your ministry call, this, and this is, oh, we're going to get into it. Your ministry call is a birthing that is from the Father. Through the womb of the Holy Spirit. Men see that reality that God has put into the earth through you and name it and recognize it. And that's really what I will pause on that because that's a whole nother discussion in itself. I want to read this passage again in, second, uh, in the King James, one of my uh, original, I know King James is not really the um, basis 
of the scripture, but I just want to read it from this version, okay? Just verse 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness, code readiness, to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Okay, so we have to understand, as Prophet Shante said, we are not talking about bombs or other things that are physical human inventions. We're not talking about things that induce death upon human beings. We are talking about the life-giving power of God that supernaturally transforms the minds and the hearts of human beings, men, women, and children, so they can walk in the freedoms that Christ gives to us. That's the focus of our message today, okay? So listen, what is a stronghold, okay? Definition. We know You know we love definitions. We're going to do it every time we speak, okay, to help you. A stronghold, it is a place that has been fortified so as to protect it against attack. That's a stronghold, all right? Now, in another definition, you'll see uh, that's physical, that's more of a verb. It's a place where a particular cause or belief is strongly defended and upheld. Okay, so a stronghold is also not just a physical place, but it's also a mental conditioning because it's based on a belief that is strongly defended. Another definition it says here, it says here is that a place dominated by a particular group or marked by a particular characteristic. All right, and last but not least, simply spoken, a stronghold is a place of security for survival. In essence, it is a fort. All right, strongholds, the Bible says the pulling down of strongholds. That's what it talks about. Now, uh, before I get into the depth of my message today, I love the physical examples in the world of what we're talking about. The two most profound strongholds or fortresses, I'm going to use that word interchangeably, synonymously, the two fortresses that are most world-renowned through history, I'm going to share. The first one is the Great Wall of China. I want to show you a picture. I know you all have seen it. But I want to show you a picture of the Great Wall of China. If you can look at that, you see that. The Great Wall of China. You screenshot that. All right. You see that Great Wall of China. Going back to my message. The Great Wall of China, okay? It is the greatest fortress known in the world, okay? This fortress or stronghold was not built in one generation. It was constructed by multiple generations of emperors over a thousand years. So in essence... The nugget here is that strongholds don't come up overnight. Strongholds take generations to develop. Okay, that's spiritual note on that. Strongholds are built over generations. They're not just happening overnight. 
So when someone says a stronghold, that means something that has been built up over generation after generation after generation. The Chinese emperors took 1,000 years to build that great wall of China. The Ming dynasty, M-I-N-G dynasty, pushed out the Mongols in the, 13th, in, the, in the 12th century, okay? And they went to expand the Great Wall, okay? Uh, under the Ming Empire, it was 5,000 miles long, okay? 5,000 miles. Now, between Florida and California, that's 3,000 miles. So if you look at a 5,000-mile wall, that is longer than the whole length of the United States of America. All right. The wall is 25 feet high. It's 15 to 30 feet thick as the base. Most houses are 30 feet deep on average. So it's wide as an entire house. It's 15 feet tall, like a story and a half, or if you're residentially looking at that's two stories. Now, the wall, okay, in its entirety, the Great Wall of China, is, is claimed to be 13,000 miles long. That's why it's considered the greatest stronghold in the history of the world. All right? Now, we have to understand this. The Great Wall, it's long. It would wrap around the United States several times over, okay? It only provided temporary protection. <laughs> so all of that effort over generations, it only gave a temporary fix. Secondly, is that, the, <laughs> this is the amazing part about it, the wall was so big, so vast, so long, that it was too expensive to maintain. So sometimes strongholds built up over these generations become more of a hindrance than a help to those who build them, okay? Look at this. The wall now, because people figured out how to get around the wall. So now the Great Wall of China is really just a monument to a previous generations. In essence, it is an impotent protection from <laughs> and adversaries. Okay? That's the biggest fortress in the world. The second largest fortress in the world is considered the walls of Constantinople. Okay? I'm going to show you a more of a modern picture of that because I don't have an ancient picture. But if you see that, the walls of Constantinople, that's considered the second largest fortress in the history of the world. Constantinople, what is that? For those of you who don't know Constantinople, let me tell you. Constantinople is a town a, that was built by Emperor Constantine. He's been, if you study Constantine, you will know the dark history of his life. Constantinople. But, Constantinople, okay? You know, basically in 324, Rome, which was the capital of Italy was moved to Constantinople. All right? It's basically a port town in, in Byzantium Empire. All right? The reason why the emperor wanted to move the capital city of Italy to this location was because of lucrative trade, or in other words, greed.
<laughs> okay. All right. So in essence, this fortress, Constantinople, was considered the second Rome. All right. Constantine issued an order to build that wall. Sounds familiar in modern history. All right. The wall of Constantine was laid out in a series of four rows, you know, with two inner towers that were 50 feet apart. Okay. Now, this wall, this fortress, the second most, uh, the second most largest fortress in the history of the world, according to historians, and we know who historians are, okay? While it was effective in repelling invaders, and it repelled invaders for about 1,000 years, 1,100 years, so to speak, okay? There were like 12 sieges. People decided they want to get past this wall. There was so much work to get past these sieges. There's another five. It was like 17 sieges that I believe happened to go against this wall that they, people couldn't get to it. But in 1453, mm -hmm. the, the, the Ottoman Empire, the Ottoman Turks, bashed down the wall and captured the city. Okay. What happens is, we have to realize this. This is something God wants to give me, to have me share with you. People don't build walls just to keep it out. People build walls literally out of greed. You look at the American society that we have now, there was such emphasis on building a wall to protect American income or American resources from people who are hungry and thirsty and, and, and looking for a place to have reprieve from the oppression they're dealing with. Okay. But one thing God has showed me here, and he said this, the kingdom of darkness uses violent and relentless forces to uphold their position of oppression. When you look throughout history and you look throughout all these different empires, you will see these immaculate forts and these, these fortresses and strongholds built up because they want to protect their gold that they stole from other people. They, they went around terrorizing people around the world and they took it back and brought it to their own empire and they wanted to protect their own empire <laughs> with a stronghold so that people can't retaliate against them for what they stole from those places. You got to study history and understand the basis. When you look at these romantic descriptions of these places of history, you have to understand why these places were built. The kingdom of darkness missions is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. A lot of these places felt like, particularly like if you look at um, the Greco-Roman era, um, their whole point was that they were the greatest people on the planet Earth. And they wanted to take over the entire Earth, conquering every other culture in the world. You know, that was their mission, to kill, steal, and destroy, take other uh, places, other people groups away. Okay, Prophet, speak. And because this is one of my beloved areas of expertise... <laughs> If you look up the term Minoans, mm -hmm. if you look up the term Mycenaeans, mm -hmm. if you look up the term Etruscans, you will see that these were all smaller cultures that had very advanced civilizations. They um, had advanced building systems. They had advanced water systems. They even had their own language. And these three civilizations were taken over by the Romans and the Greeks. So that's just a, you know, a factual example of cultures that did not have borders mm -hmm. that welcomed, you know, other civilizations in 
who learned from them and then in turn ransacked their civilization, their culture, and integrated it into what they were doing. Right. So in essence, the keystroke of the kingdom of darkness or the adversary of God, okay, is to capture and make slaves of subjects. So these fortresses, these strongholds are built by greedy civilizations who want to capture other people, make them slaves, bring their entire culture as a slave, and then build these strongholds to defend what they took from many other people. But the Lord says the buildup of strongholds only leads to epic failure. Okay? So I pray you're getting some out of this so far. I pray you're getting uh, what the message of God says. Our message today is tumbling towers, upholding the powers that upholding the power that crushes strongholds, okay? So one thing we can look at here in the one of the earliest sagas in human history of deliverance, okay, comes from the life of Moses. Moses was born to deliver a nation from slavery. That was a promise from God to the patriarch of the faith. He was a deliverer. That was who Moses was. Why was a deliverer needed? A deliverer was needed because people wanted to oppress and enslave other people and use them to build up empires. That's why strongholds are there, because to, to build up empires for greed and use other subjects of the world ruled under the thumb of their power and violence to establish empire, okay? Now, with Moses, even with a great exodus from slavery, okay, you know, we know the story. We know that there was a plague. You know that he went before the Pharaoh, and we know that uh, the Pharaoh granted them uh, freedom after those plagues really hit the firstborns of the, of, of the enslavers. Okay, and what happened, we saw that they got across that Red Sea and God wiped out the enemy adversaries as they crossed the sea, which was a great victory. But the Lord says that to me is that even upon the great exodus from slavery, there are still many strongholds along the freedom journey. So just because there's a great escape or a great exodus or a emancipation proclamation does not mean that there will not be strongholds as you commence with this course and this path of freedom. Hallelujah. One formidable enemy and stronghold that Moses had to deal with after crossing the Red Sea, after being freed from their oppression, was a group called the Amalekites or the Amalek army. Okay? They raided Israel in their nomadic state. Israel was granted freedom through the powers and the miracles of God. They were walking and into their course of freedom, going to their promised uh, uh, area of freedom, the promised land, as many people would say. But they raided Israel like Klansmen raided the freedom fighters during the civil rights era. People are not happy when you break through strongholds. Like we said an example through the Great Wall of China, strongholds are built over generations, okay? And what happens is when strongholds are built, other people want to lay claim to those strongholds just to make sure that you cannot get 
into new territory. But this is what God says, when life gets challenging, after you have great strides of freedom, do not get weary. Do not get miserable. And do not abandon the cause of freedom. My Jesus. So let's let's go. Uh, there's so much, oh, so much. This is going to be a series. I know it. Okay, but let's look at Exodus 17, the entire chapter. I'm going to look at this whole chapter. We got to look at whole chapters now. Okay, I can't just go through a verse here and there and skip and hop and be done in 20 minutes. All right. Uh, verse 1, Exodus 14, the Living Bible. I like the Living Bible. It's very easy to digest. All right. Now at God's command, the people of Israel left the Zin Desert. Here it is. Going by easy stages. <laughs> Listen to that. Going by easy stages to Rephidim. But upon arrival, there was no water. So just in that one verse, you know, there's after you get this freedom, there's some easy steps you make after freedom, okay? But upon arrival to a stopping point, a pit stop, there was no water. So verse 2. So once more the people growled and complained to Moses. Give us water, they wailed. Quiet, Moses commanded. Are you trying to test God's patience with you? But tormented by thirst, here we go, tormented by thirst, they cried out, Why did you ever take us out of Egypt? Why did you bring us here to die with our children and our cattle too? Oh my God. They watched Moses perform miracles, God's miracles performed through Moses. And here they are after a few easy steps crying and complaining and attacking the power source the incubator of their freedom journey. Prophet. Which leads us to a very important point for all leaders who are assisting in the freedom journey. And that is, miracles do not mean an altered mindset for the people you're leading. That's good. <sighs> That's good. Miracles are not the litmus test for altered mindsets man that's good with the people you're leading that's so good thank you prophet oh your words are very powerful okay okay verse four then moses pleaded with jehovah god what shall i do for they are almost ready to stone me the victory march that people pleaded and shouted victory yes we're free you're free we're free we're out of the hands of the enslavers Thank you, Moses. And now, in a few steps down the road, they ready to stone the very person who led them on their freedom journey. Watching the very hand of God walk through, work through him. So people, leaders, understand that just because God performs miracles through you and you do great acts of deliverance to help people move along the path, they will turn on you in a heartbeat. They were out of the hands of the enslavers, but they were not out of the mindset that was instilled in them by the enslavers. Like I said, <laughs> strongholds, okay? Strongholds, the, the enslavers were such a stronghold to the minds of the children of Israel that even after freedom, after watching the miracles of God, after having a pillar of fire by you know night and the cloud by day, supernaturally empowered, <sighs> they still tormented by thirst they why, came through why did you take us out why of did you take us out of egypt why why did you take us out of the plantation 
Why did you take us out of our chains? Why did you take us out of the oppressions that we dealt with? Why did you take us out of the assaults we dealt with every single day, all day long? Why? In a land of, in a place of freedom, they turned on Moses. But here, verse five and six, then Jehovah said to Moses, encourage, let us be encouraged. You have to talk to God when you're leading people because their squabbling can make you lose it. Don't lose it. Upholding the power source that crushes oppression. Moses needed to be upheld in this moment because in the moment of people murmuring and complaining and not knowing what's going to happen, Moses, which was the source of God's uh, revealed power in that time, in that generation, was nimble to the point where he almost was stoned. But here he says, he pleased to God. Then Jehovah said to Moses, take the elders of Israel and lead the people to Mount Horeb. I will meet you there at the rock. Strike it with your rod. The same rod that you struck the Nile with. Oh, that's very significant there. And water will come pouring out enough for everyone. Moses did as he was told and water gushed out. So here we go. That even in the midst of tragedy and about to be, you know, you came out of favor with the people. God gives you a command and said, the very power tool that I gave you that turned the Nile into blood that really turned over the oppressive, the oppressor's kingdom area. Take that very same power tool, go to a place where I tell you, and there'll be resources for everyone. All those millions, the millions of people march back in the day. Okay, so look at that. Verse 7, Moses named the place Massa. <laughs> Massa, meaning tempting Jehovah to slay us. Mm -mm. That's a whole word in and of itself. <laughs> Moses named the place Massa because the people wanted to go back to the Massa mm -hmm. in order to get resources. So he named this place Massa because people were tempting God to want to go back to their slaveholders. Sometimes what we name things can really be a embarrassment to where your mental position is during your time of freedom. So we have to understand, even through Moses, sometimes we have to mark this place that where y'all doubted God, that he wouldn't provide. We want to mark this place that this is where you doubted God, so you know not to doubt God in the future, okay? So look at this, okay. He called the name Massa, and sometimes referred to as Meribah, meaning argument and strife. For there, it was the people of Israel argued against God and tempted him to slay them by saying, is Jehovah going to take care of us or not? So look at this, the people were fussing at Moses. This, you know, they got resources, but listen, all this time in arguing, look what was coming up behind it. Verse 8, now the warriors of Amalek came to fight against the people of Israel at Rephidim. So y'all busy complaining to Moses about who about water and thirst, but yet the enemy who don't even want you to advance is coming riding with their army after you. Okay, so look at this. Verse 9, Moses instructed Joshua to issue a call to arms to the Israelites to fight the army of Amalek. There's a call to arms in Moses' day. There's a call to readiness even in our current generation now against forces that want to, re to return us back into a place of oppression. Look at that. Tomorrow, Moses told him, I will stand at the top of the hill with the rod of God. Look at that. The rod of God. You think Thor was something else? Moses had his rod. That rod was bigger than some, some big hammer. You know, that hammer was fictitious, but the rod of God with Moses was real. Okay, so 10. So Joshua and his men went to fight the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. Leaders, sometimes you have to stay away from the battle 
so that you can pray and be a guide for the battle. Okay, listen to that. Verse 11, as long, and this is the key part of this whole passage today, this whole message today, as long as Moses held up the rod in his hands, Israel was winning. But whenever he rested his arms at his sides, the soldiers of Amalek were winning. Oh my God. Moses' arms finally became too tired to hold up the rod any longer. So Aaron and her rolled a stone for him to sit on. They stood each on they stood on each side holding up his hands until sunset. Woo! As a result, Joshua and his troops crushed the army of Amalek, putting them to the sword. Prophet. It's interesting that you uh, shared this particular passage because I was reading it a couple weeks ago and it fits perfectly with the message today and one of the things that the holy spirit said to me was you had a people that some of their mindsets were to stone moses as opposed to using the stones to uphold <laughs> moses look at this upholding the power that crushes oppression leaders get tired there's only so much him there's only so much moses could do in his own physical power however his power and the entire nation's survival became empowered when his arms were held up rather than by ridiculing and sabotaging him. So we have to understand the errands and the hers are valuable to the success of the nation, the kingdom of God. We cannot devalue the errands and the hers of God's kingdom. Everybody's not there to be the leader, but you can support your leader so that the nation can survive attack. Prophet. And I wanna and I wanna be clear because some people would say, well, what about leaders who are not doing as God says? But this is really symbolic of people who are uplifting leaders who are taking a righteous directive of God. Amen. So this is not a free-for-all to say, oh, we uplift, oh, uphold leaders in wrongdoing. No, exactly. you uphold leaders in God's directives. Hallelujah. When you see righteous leaders doing what God has called and told them to do for the success of all, those are the leaders that you get behind or get up under and lift. See, this was not an aspect of nepotism. This was not narcissism, the N-words, those two N-words. This was, they were in a battle where the adversaries wanted to wipe them out after they were freed. And for the survival of the entire nation, not the personal empowerment of Moses, support needed to occur. Aaron on the right, her on the left, holding him up, putting your strength and using that synergy so that, look at this. Joshua was able to defeat the entire clan of the Amalekites because leaders came together and held up the cause of God. That rod represented God's cause. It represented, it was a physical representation of God's strength. A component of the ark. Okay? Prophet. And this is so powerful because 
you know, we, we look at God's care for us, right? We look at God's activity in the world, but here is a real situation where God says, Hey, I gave you the rod, but I'm also using human intervention. I'm connecting the fact that you all need each other. Ah, that's it. That's the word. I'm connecting the fact that, yes, my power is with you, but I, I, I also am trying to connect you to the fact that you need relationship with one another. Yes. In order to move you all to a victory. Because sometimes people say, well, if God was a part of it, it would have been successful. Mm. <laughs> God was a part of it, but he also needed your activity, your obedience, your uplift. And that's the beautiful thing about the faith that we are a part of because God does not stand outside of human activity. He stands in it with us. It's not just some sky daddy, as some people say, but no, it's a, it's a God who is concerned about the affairs, about the destiny, about the purpose and the existence of a newly formed nation and how are they going to make it. Part of that is humans coming alongside and understanding who the leader is, what is my purpose in this situation. What if Joshua said, I don't feel like going down to the valley to fight. I want to be up on the mountain with Moses. <laughs> so it's also about everybody understanding their position, playing their role, playing their purpose within the framework that, that God is setting for. So we have to understand is that leaders are not infallible. Infallible. Leaders get tired. While they're trying to do the work, pastors, I mean, there's so many pastors, you know, the story of the pastor, people leaving the ministry or people passing from this life because they overworked themselves trying to do what was righteous and what is holy. What happens is you have to understand this. We have to work together and not sabotage one another as we do the righteous work of God. Mm -hmm. We have to be able to see one another becoming weaker and then want to not just claim that oh you weak you couldn't hold up but we undergird upholding the power that crushes oppression prophet that's a powerful word because your heart tells on you what is your immediate response when you see a leader getting tired or going down is your response to undergird them or is your response to undermine them? Mm. What's happening in that moment? Are you saying this is an opportunity for me to come in and usurp authority? Mm. Aaron and her could have pushed Moses down, took the rod and decided that they were going to Be the great lead, one. lead the war. But guess what? It wasn't just the rod that God had empowered. That was the symbol. But Moses had the authority. Yes, indeed. So even in all of that, when you find someone who's trying to usurp power, that power is still ineffective because they don't have authority. They don't have God's authority backing it. And this is the key part about the body of Christ. Apostles and prophets, and pastors, and teachers, and evangelists. Stop bickering about who's who. <laughs> Apostles are foundational. Sent was Moses was sent to deliver a nation. Even as he was sent as an apostle of freedom, he was still ridiculed and he still got tired. We cannot sit there and start labeling or mislabeling apostles because you don't understand the fullness of what they're dealing with. 
Okay, look at this. Let me keep reading this passage here. Verse 14. Then the Lord instructed Moses, write this into a permanent record to be remembered forever and announce to Joshua that I will utterly blot out every trace of Amalek. You see, that was the script. The obedience and holding and working together created God's authority to have a generational after generation success so that this enemy and this stronghold will not rise up against your freedom. Prophet. Again, this is a very powerful point because, and I'll read it from the King James Version. He says, um, verse 14, and the Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book. Hello, scribes. Hello, authors. Hello, publishers. Hello, write your own history so somebody's not rewriting the history write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of joshua rehearse it in the ears of the one who had to go to battle rehearse it in the ears of the one who was up to lead next rehearse it so that you will understand that this is a generational decree of who you will be going to war with. I don't want you to forget from generation to generation that this is something you have to go to war with. And how many families don't write the memorial, don't share the key information, don't share what their family has had to war with. Mm. And so you get another generation that raises up and arises and doesn't understand the warfare that's coming against them because no record has been written. My God. That's why memorials are important. We don't just sit there. I mean, like we look at the Martin Luther King statue in Washington, D.C. The day we went to go visit it, there was an earthquake. I felt that that was God shaking the earth because he knew there was transformation happening. Okay, listen. Verse 15. Moses built an altar there and called it Jehovah Nisa. Jehovah Nisi. Meaning, Jehovah is my flag. Raise the banner of the Lord, Moses said, for the Lord will be at war with Amalek generation after generation. Prophet Shante says some amazing things. We have to read and understand and have a marker of the history of our successes. Upholding the power, upholding the power for generations, meaning that we mark the spot where we were successful, how we were successful, so that future generations can know that you won't be defeated by this adversary, because this is the playbook. Do not think because you were freed from the principal act of oppression you are clear to live. Stronghold forces do not want you to be free because they believe that you're going to replace them on the earth. They think all kind of thoughts. Confederates fear black and brown human beings because they felt that they were not human and they had the right to enslave them. So even now when you look at someone carrying a flag of oppression through the nation's capital as a signal of oppression rising again, that's because leadership did not put the memorial and respect the memorial of how to defeat and continually defeat this adversary. Prophet. And on that, and on that touch point, I want to say two things. Moses built an altar there. Moses built a place where you would come to worship and acknowledge that God is your flag. God is your banner. Now we have watched a series in the past that illustrated this so beautifully by the tribal banner, right? That wherever they went on horseback, when they were claiming new territory, they would be riding their horses with their flag for their tribe. Right. And wherever they said, this is gonna be the place where we sit down, or settle temporarily, the first thing they would do was they would plant a flag. Mm -hmm. If somebody died along the way 
as they were trying to conquer territory, they would plant a flag. Um, and so when we see this, we have to understand that when we see things even in our country, like Confederate memorials and Confederate strongholds, monuments, strongholds, mm -hmm. they have raised a banner within a certain period of time in American history to say, we were defeated here, but we coming back. And so when we see these things come down in our nation, it is a signal to those who want to rise up again in oppression that their ability to do that is being crushed. Listen, we must understand, pray, thank you for that so much. We must understand that this ancient story is vital for our lives today. We must seek God, pray, instead of making righteous leaders the prey to your anger. We have to understand that we have to be pillars for our ancestors so that that freedom that they established through God can go from generation to generation. Moses, Aaron and her set an environment of rest while they were wrestling with enemy forces. Our leaders need to have a place where they can safely continue to be the light of the land. These leaders, Aaron and her, held up the arms of the leaders who had the tools. And that created a positive posterity. We're talking about generational success, generational blessing that altar there. Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Nisi was a place of legacy. We established legacy when we have pillars that people can see and recognize. Pillars of freedom, not pillars of oppression. Many have sacrificed their livelihood and eventually sacrificed their lives as seeds sown so future generations can have continued freedom. The work that Moses had to endure, the work that Joshua had to endure, it perpetuates because we have a place of remembrance. The Lord says he will bring all things to your remembrance through his spirit. The banner of God is his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is the banner. It is that seal of promise. It's that memorial of faith. It's that flag planted in the heart of man that caused you to have victory Forever against oppression. Whereby we say, Abba Father. That's why we say, Abba Father. So we have to understand in our in this lesson. I pray you got some out of this lesson today. We're a little bit longer, but oh, we're just kicking it off. We're just kicking it off. Tumbling towers, upholding the power that crushes oppression. We have to understand that we must make every memorial. We must put down the right, we must put forth the writing. We must make the memorials and the altars, not a place of self-grandizement, but a place of honoring God. So the people that see this place of history can understand the values of the heavenly father God through Christ Jesus that will allow us to continue to conquer oppression so freedom can be maintained forever. The reason why people are upset about these governors are making laws to erase history or not to, to erase memorials is because the kingdom of darkness doesn't want the playbook of God's success and the playbook for God's freedom to be maintained to happen for the next generations. It's very, very disturbing that a political party would want to align themselves with erasing memorials of freedom. That's our history. That's our historians. 
who are committed to serving the playbook of God. The future generations don't understand the balance that you faced. Colin Kaepernick was able to take a knee because Martin Luther King took a shot. When we have memorials, even the place where Martin Luther King was life was sacrificed, it has become a memorial for generations so that we can know that we can stand up where all people can be created free. And, and in this case for us with the Lord's work, that we can be free from sin, free from oppression of others, and have victory and promise to walk out the calling of God, not just for our lives, but the lives of our children and our children's children and our children's children. Oh, I feel the power of God in this message today. Praise God, prophet. And at that place, Lorraine Motel, on that cold concrete that is now signified by a red and, and white reef, on that spot, People can now remember that a prophet of liberation for black people in America and, and by default, all oppressed peoples in this country and around the world, that he was a seed in the ground. When they go there, they understand that someone died at this spot but a whole revolution and many generations of prophets were birthed at that same spot. There were people whose lives shifted into a lifetime of doing that kind of work. Right as that happened. And they can go to that spot and say, this is a reminder that never again do we want to be at this place in history to where this is, this is possible? That a man of peace is taken out by a spirit of hatred and violence. So as you said, the memorials, the places that we memorialize speak to where we want to see our future generations. So if we are so we're memorializing enslavement, you're you're signaling to the future generations, this is what we approve of, this is what we want. And when we take those things down, we say to a new generation, when you go to school, when you go to the courthouse, when you go to a park, you don't have to pass by a symbol that says you're inferior. You don't have to pass by a symbol of someone who wanted to dehumanize you and your generations into perpetuity. So I, I appreciate this message. And again, this is about the strides that we're taking towards freedom. If there's anything that you can also glean from this, it is that freedom is not overnight either. Freedom is also a journey. Freedom is also something that continues to happen as you continue to walk. It's not a one and done. Generations. Strongholds were built over generations. The Ku Klux Klan was built over generations. Confederate spirit was over generations. It's not going to happen with one freedom stride. Not one law passed is going to transform freedom. We have to continue, like the Bible says in verse 14, that announce to Joshua that will utterly block out every trace of Amalek. That was a warrior who tried to kill out the freedom and oppress, re-oppress Israel. So anything that tries to come to re-oppress or to, re to put you back in chains, God says he will utterly blot it out. So every, so every, generation that tries to rise against freedom 
every generation, political party or whatever, that tries to erase the history of freedom and the truth of what happened in the moments become enemies of God. And God says, I will be at war. Not you, but he said, I will be at war with Amalek from generation after generation. So those who want to walk into the, in, in the spirit of oppression, those who want to be generation of strongholds, know that you are the target of God to be crushed. Even in 2022 politics, it's sickening to see people try to use the name of Christ as a basis to bring oppression to people, which is the antithesis of Christ. Period. So on that, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your glory. We thank you for your power. We thank you, Lord, for the truth in presentation of your word. We feel your spirit. We feel your banner, oh God. Let this message today be another memorial of freedom from oppression, from the kingdom of darkness, oh God. Help us not to re-enslave ourselves and put on the change that current cultures want us to put on. They were mad that we were freed in the first place. Lord, every stronghold that tries to rise up against the knowledge of God and your truth and your freedom, Lord, let it be crushed in the name of Jesus. Those who are facing uh, racialized oppression, those who are uh, facing spiritual oppression, whatever it is, oh God, we thank you, Lord, for Christ who sets us free. who sets us free indeed. Lord, so God, help us today to walk in the freedom that Christ has given, to understand and and, and have understanding of the, of the memorials that and the ancestors that went before us and the battles they faced so that we can be free in today and forever. In Jesus' name we pray and declare. And those who may not know Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, he is not a Lord like human lords are who want to bring subjects and enslave people and make them, you know, uh, a, a tool of, of their empowerment. But Christ is Lord of all, and he wants you, when you accept him as Lord and Savior, he saves you from sin, he saves you from oppression, and he gives you the, 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 the generator of freedom that continues to churn throughout all the days of your life. So God bless you. If you desire to give today for Life Nation to help us to continue the work of freedom, we pray that you would do so. Uh, we have our links on our page. We appreciate every financial gift that you give us to help us carry out the work of freedom, but I pray more so than finances, that your soul is empowered and that you walk into freedom throughout this week. In Jesus' name, God bless. And have a fantastic rest of your Sunday. Bless you. Amen. Amen.